Today we have a really good long interview with all-round accessibility superstar at Apple, Sarah Herlinger, and we are going to cover a wide range of topics, everyone a corker. We are here with Sarah Herlinger of Apple. Now she's just told me her title, but I'm not going to remember it. I think of her as champion of all things accessibility, but give us your title, please. I am the Director of Global Accessibility Policy and Initiatives at Apple. There you go. Now, Apple, obviously, for everybody who has any knowledge of disability and tech listening to this procast will know that they have been in the van, led the way in accessibility for well over a decade, probably three decades. Um, now, as far as this audience, it's a professional audience here at TechShare Pro, so not necessarily consumers, but obviously many people that are listening to this podcast will have disabilities or know people that do, so they will be well aware of Apple's position in this area. But as far as talking to professionals about accessibility, about the importance of it, of inclusive design, what messages would you have for that audience? Gosh, I think, um, you know, the biggest thing is to just keep at it early and often. Um, you know, accessibility is such an important part of building out any type of technology, making it work for everyone. Um, you know, at Apple, we really think about designing for the margins. I think you make a better product when you take the time to consider all of the different possible use cases, all the different ways that people will interact with whatever you're building and to build it in a way that everyone can use it because, uh, you know, for me, that what that's what makes me most proud of our technology when it's done. When people who might otherwise not be able to have that, you know, connection to their family or their friends or employment or any of those things find a way to to use it just like everybody else. And so um, I think if you if you make something and at the end of the day, if you're proud of the work you do, accessibility just inherently becomes a piece of that. Absolutely. And accessibility so often seen as a bolt-on exercise or requirement to cater for people with a specific need. In Apple, it's completely the reverse. You know, accessibility is a given and that's what really inspires confidence for disabled users, disabled customers, that they know that they're not going to be left behind in the latest, greatest uh, developments or releases or products from Apple. To what extent is diversity reflected in the teams that you have? Obviously, at the sea level down, it's prioritized in a very significant way. But, you know, what what does the breakdown of uh, disability, diversity across all the different teams within Apple look like? Yeah, well, inclusion and diversity is incredibly important to us. And in particular, when we're talking about the realm of accessibility, we live by the mantra of nothing about us without us, as so many in the communities do. Um, you know, as we build our products, we don't do it in a vacuum. We employ individuals with disabilities as a part of our teams, both as we build our, you know, the, the, the specific types of assistive technologies that benefit each community, but also by doing that, you make more accessible products in general, which then makes it easier to be employing individuals across every spectrum of the company. And then that just fuels 
kind of that that continued cycle of um, making better products. People who are in totally different groups send back feedback to the accessibility team saying, hey, I'd love it if it did this, or hey, I found uh, a bug here. And that helps us make a better product all around. Absolutely. Now, there are some real kind of happening areas in terms of accessibility. AI and machine learning is helping uh, overcome people's disabilities and impairments and, you know, being able to access information and the world around them and that sort of thing. Um, the built-in sophistication of accessibility within, for example, iOS 13 with full voice control, you know, so things are moving so quickly in this area. Where, for you, as, you know, chief head of accessibility and, and all things inclusion within Apple, which areas are you most excited about and which areas are kind of Apple prioritizing going forward? Yeah, I think um, there's a, a lot of great work that's being done uh, in the areas of machine learning and AI, um, and they cover off a lot of different uh, uh, products that Apple makes or, or different features that we have. I mean, you mentioned voice control. You know, that's certainly one where we are um, using a lot to make sure that anybody who's using voice control has the, the information that they need on device. Um, not out in a cloud, but um, within the device itself in order to ensure that they can get that full functionality using just their voice. Um, there's a lot of other work we're doing in machine learning around, uh, you know, image description. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about that came out with iOS 13 is uh, the fact that we are now using machine learning to try and identify images and elements in things like apps, even if a developer hasn't gone through all of the steps that they should to make an app accessible. So uh, as much as we can, we're trying to provide back information like, where I would say something like button, possibly home, um, and, and really trying to give as much information as we can to a user um, and doing it in a way that is respectful of, of their use case and their privacy. Absolutely. My, my latest tech acquisition that I absolutely love is a smart coffee mug, which keeps my beverage at exactly the temperature I want. And the two most important buttons on that app are great long strings of incomprehensible text. And after the first one, it says possibly menu. And after the second one, it says possibly settings. And they absolutely are those. So yeah, it's really, really useful. And, you know, with voice control, the fact that um, as a voiceover user, you know, there could be a question mark if it was any other organization other than Apple um, in in a blind user's mind, for example, you know, is voice control going to be something that we can use? Is it going to be compatible with voiceover? Of course it is. You know, back in the days when somebody with a vision impairment and a, hear and a motor difficulty who had to use, say, Dragon and Jaws, they needed special scripts to make the Jaws speak properly as you did things by voice. But no, everything works really, really well. And we've done a demo of that on the uh, podcast on Tech Talk, RNAB's Tech Talk podcast, um, showing those two in action together. So yeah, it's a given. Sarah, hi, it's Stephen. Can you tell us a bit more about voice control for those that don't know what it is? Yeah, so voice control is a new feature that's built into both iOS 13 and Catalina. And the idea behind it is that it gives full control of devices using just your voice. So that's both being able to navigate through elements on the screen, being able to uh, to dictate, seamless, dictate seamlessly into, uh, you know, fields, 
or uh, dictate email messages, whatever it might be, in order to be able to get into all of the little nooks and crannies of the operating systems and use it the way anyone else would as well. So it's, you know, everything from open maps, find an address, send that, you know, click share or tap share, send that mess that map address to uh, someone through a message, take a screenshot, all those things are commands that you can, um, you know, ask the device and it will go ahead and do for you without having to ever interact using a keyboard or a mouse or a finger gesture or any of those kinds of things. And something like the TV plus service, it's just a given that all of those shows are going to come with AD out of the box audio description for blind people and also lots of captions in multiple languages. Yeah, I'm really excited about the work we've done on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, we're committed to providing closed captioning in 40 plus languages as well as audio descriptions in nine languages. And um, because we are the distributor of or the creator and distributor of our content, that allows us to be able to deliver those um, globally so we don't have to worry about the, the sort of regional restrictions one might have. So you can, you know, be an English speaker, but in Japan and still want to get audio descriptions in Italian and have the ability to see, you know, all nine options available to you and pick the one you want. Um, so we're really working to try and make sure that it's as inclusive as possible. The other thing I'm really excited about with the audio description side of this is we're delivering audio descriptions in Atmos, which is a first in the industry. And um, for those of you who aren't really familiar with Atmos, uh, it's, it's sort of the highest quality audio available today. Um, and so we're, we want to make sure that if you have a system that uh, allows for Atmos, that gives Atmos, or supports Atmos, that um, we're providing you with the uh, the Atmos file. And, and because for us, you know, we looked at a lot of the ways people did audio descriptions, and they would kind of almost dumb down the audio to 5.1 or stereo when audio descriptions were created. And, and we felt like it was important to deliver an experience to a community for whom audio is so relevant that we do it in a way that was the best possible quality that we could and quite frankly the same quality that everyone else is getting. Uh, you know Robin can could wax on lyrical as I could about the, the wonderful things that Apple have done for us as, as blind people and for the wider disabled community. Um, I think what I want to ask you about is uh, macOS and uh, its voiceover in particular uh, for one question because I want to ask you about with, with the inclusion now of Catalyst apps and the way that Catalina is bringing in these Catalyst apps. How is that going to work with accessibility? Because there, there is that always that concern. I always remember when Microsoft did it, uh, when they started bringing in the Windows apps and they weren't as accessible because Narrator or JAWS or whatever wouldn't work as well with it. Um, are you, I mean, I, I know this is something you'll be working on, but I guess you hope that everything will be as accessible irrespective of what the app is. For those who don't know, of course, Catalyst apps are essentially bringing together uh, the or making it easier for developers to create one single app that goes on multiple platforms rather than a separate iPad application or a macOS application. Um, but the key thing for us is, are they accessible? Yeah, certainly the intent is that they will be as accessible on Catalina as they are on iOS. Um, you know, it is porting a lot of that same code base over to 
make that happen. And the accessibility team has been very much involved in that process. Um, with that being said, if someone does find an app that's not working well or bugs within something, we absolutely would want to know about it. So if people can share through our uh, email address, accessibility at apple.com, anything that they find that they think needs improvement, um, it's great for us to be able to take it back to the teams to help them make that process better. And also, in some cases, if it is a uh, some quirk that's being done by the developer themselves, we can also work with our developer relations team to try and make sure that um, they're using our APIs properly and, and doing what they need to do. I mean, the key thing I, mean, I mentioned specifically there about Catalyst apps and VoiceOver, but of course, there are many features of the macOS platform that are available for pandisability. And that's Again, you know, it's something that is brilliant because disabled people, no matter who you are, no matter, I mean, my own personal story, very briefly, you know, I had someone come up to me once and suggest that, you know, I need to be careful about my hearing because I was listening to music particularly loud. And then when they learned I had a visual impairment, said, oh, it's okay because, you know, you've kind of got your disability quota. You're, you know, you've got your blindness, so you're not going to get deafness as well. It's as if you get some kind of, you can have more than one disability. And I think that's important for people to understand, which is why having uh, pan-disability options available on these devices is so important, isn't it? Well, gosh, if you're worried about uh, losing a little bit of your hearing, we've got an app for you. Uh, there's a new app that's built into uh, the Apple Watch OS that is called Noise. And what it does is through the uh, the latest Apple Watch, it listens to the kind of ambient sound around you to tell you whether that sound level, the decibel level might be, um, uh, or, or the, how high it is, and therefore whether it might be causing any damage to you. So imagine if you're just moving through space on an average day, it would tell you that the decibel level is is good and you're okay. But if you happen to be, you know, walking through a city and you go past a construction site, it will give you an alert that uh, the decibel level has gotten quite high and you probably would want to move on a little bit in order to uh, avoid spending time in that where you might cause yourself some uh, damage to your hearing. Um, if, on the flip side, you're at a rock concert and you've consciously chosen to be in a very loud space, um, it will also give you that alert, but based on the fact that you're going to stay there, it will track the amount of time that you've spent in that and then... Um, uh, show that in the health app on the iPhone so that you have a historical record of points where you've put yourself into uh, a, a sound environment that's quite loud and therefore you can have that sort of historical knowledge of are there certain places I go which are uh, louder than others or you know how am I monitoring this in my own life. You know, regardless of who we are in the world, our use of technology is unique and when you look at individuals with their disabilities, that is still the same. You know, everyone, everyone's experience is their own. And so how they choose to set up a device, how they uh, want to use it is, is their own, uh, regardless of whether they, uh, you know, whether they have one disability, but still choose to, for example, manage their hearing, even though they yeah. might be a member of the blind community. That's a totally reasonable thing to want to do. Um, and to use features, that support a different community just because that might improve their productivity or, you know, just their daily life. So I think for us, it's always about making sure that uh, everything works together as best we can, because we have no idea how someone might choose to uh, set up their own device. 
as I say, Apple has done a huge amount of work here in the field of accessibility and a lot of it under your leadership, which is fantastic. And we thank you for that. But how important do you think, therefore, is how much of an onus is it on you to go out and speak to business, to talk to businesses about the importance of building that accessibility into either their applications or their websites? How much of that falls to you as well as, as the creator of the devices, if you like, that uh, that people use to make these products? Well, I think um, you can look at that in a couple of different ways. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love the conference that we happen to be sitting at right now. You know, TechShare Pro is a great conference for uh, bringing the message to other companies. Um, you know, for us, we've always viewed accessibility as one of our core corporate values and a basic human right. So to get up in front of other companies and talk about not thinking about this as a compliance issue, but thinking about this as a customer issue and a human issue, I think is is important and something that I always appreciate doing. You know, on top of that, as you mentioned, is we are the, the sort of platform on, upon which many other companies build their products, you know, build applications and such to run. Um, it is also important that our company talks about accessibility. And so, as we, you know, work with even our developer relations team on going out to talk to everybody who is making their own apps to run on our platforms, so that they understand the the basic APIs that we provide to make accessibility a seamless part of their design process. How to use the accessibility inspector in order to um, better, you know, to, to figure out where they may want to improve their accessibility along the way and, and whether they're doing all the proper things that they need to to make an app accessible. And then just talking to them about engagement with the communities as well. Um, I feel like that is something that I, I, I want to do a lot. I feel like we should be doing that in order to help other companies understand that big corporations care, that, you know, having a foundation of of ethics and morals and, and, you know, core corporate values really matters and accessibility is a huge part of that. And that absolutely is reflected in everything that Apple does, whether it's Tim Cook uh, vehemently defending your stance or your investment in digital inclusion in uh, investment calls through to um, putting accessibility at the top level of settings in iOS 13. You know, everything that you do makes that message loud and clear that accessibility is really important. And, you know, as a blind person, I'm as excited about the potential for AR kit, for example, which, you know, many people might think has no application for uh, someone with no vision at all, um, that its capability to help me understand the world around me. And we're already seeing apps that are leveraging that um, capability that otherwise would have had to work from the ground up to um, do object recognition and uh, edge recognition and that sort of thing to help with mobility. And again, as a blind person, I'm really, really excited about the potential, if it ever came comes to pass, of, say, Apple Glass as everybody else, I will be using that camera to death because it will just help me know about the world around me, recognise text, that sort of thing. But as far as... Um, developments, future developments, uh, what are you as Apple most excited about going forward? You know, I think there's a lot of things to consider. Um, some of those are where we might have gaps to fill. Um, you know, one of our goals every year is to try and increase the the number of individuals or the communities that we support so that um, 
no one is left behind and more people have the opportunity to, you know, live productive, creative lives using our technology. So I think there's a lot in terms of looking at what are new types of assistive technologies to build. But then there's also just, you know, the fact that we are a consumer products company that's making really awesome technology for everyone to use. And as part of that process, we look at how does this apply for individuals with disabilities? How do we make sure that everything that every other engineer at Apple is creating is something that uh, works for individuals um, with a wide range of accessibility needs? You know, I think it, when you were talking about uh, some of the the way that we think about the design of our technology, um, instead of having a view of why would someone want to do this as a negative, it's why wouldn't someone want to do this? And so as we look at um, really any of the things that we create, it's there's there's never a limitation of, oh, someone with X disability would never want to do such and such. It's why wouldn't they? How do we figure out how to make that happen? How do we take this really cool thing and make it accessible to as many people as we possibly can? But that's the challenge, of course, isn't it? Because there are businesses out there who do say that. Um, we, we've heard from businesses ourselves who say, well, we don't get many blind people here or not many disabled people use this product. Or it, it, the, the sense is that, I, that we're undervalued considerably in society. And that, of course, is a real challenge. What I do want to ask you though about is collaboration. We're sitting here in the Google building and no one said, hey, there's someone from Apple here. We need to throw them out immediately. Um, lots of collaboration works here, doesn't it? And that's the important thing. And I remember you talking and uh, Chris Patton, who was well from Google, speaking at TechShare Pro last year. And I was quite surprised myself when I heard, oh yeah, we, we work together on accessibility. We work together on these things. Uh, because I think a lot of business might think you guys are quite separate. I think a lot of people might think it's already separate, but you do collaborate. I think wherever we possibly can, we do want to collaborate. You know, we do see that any positive move forward in, in, in the work that we do helps everyone. And so when we look at things like um, the the Braille human interface guidelines that we all collaborated on about a year or so ago, um, you know, that's has the potential to have huge positive implications for the blind community that any Braille display moving forward could be used on any device um, because we're all working with the same protocols on the back end. And, you know, as we look at things like that, where we can try and come up with what is the best thing we could possibly do for the community um, and, and do it together, that is a really important part of, of what, you know, I think all of us who are supporting the accessibility realm want to do. You know, we care about accessibility deeply. We care about our companies as well. And I think the other side of that is we all take those foundational elements then and add our own secret sauce in order to sure. make them better. But wherever we can to try and influence in positive ways. Um, you know, I, I have great respect for my colleagues at at, at so many com companies and so many that are here and it's always great to be able to come back and see them and and you know talk to them about what we can do to make things even better you get the emails into the accessibility apple.com email address and i imagine you get lots of feedback in various ways um i imagine you get lots of positive feedback and i want to ask you is there anything that's really stood out has something landed on your desk someone has come in and said to you sarah you have to see this feedback this is why we do this this is why we get out of bed in the morning 
Yeah. Um, I would say, thankfully, we get uh, a decent amount of that, which is nice. I think it's yeah, always... Yeah, you get all of it. Yeah, I yes. can imagine. But yeah. It, it is important to get both the negatives and, sure. and at times to get the positives yeah. to, to see why it matters. Um, you know, I, I don't know that there's a one specific one, but I think that the, the ones that come in that say, you really did change my life are the ones that I think make us feel like our work really matters. You know, when someone says without this, I might have been cut off from something that was incredibly important to me. I might've lost my job or I might not have had that connection with my family and friends. Um, those are the ones I think that have the most profound effect when you, you know that it's not just a, a something, it's really a life-changing um, piece of technology that you've created. And that's probably the tip of the iceberg because, you know, I would it wouldn't be an over-exaggeration to say that Apple leading the way to a much more inclusive digital landscape really has changed my life. But yeah, I would never consider or have never thought to email accessibility at apple.com um, to we will say today. a big thank we you. We will do that today. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I'm sure it's the tip of the iceberg and there's a huge amount of love in the disabled community, their family and friends towards the work that you guys have been doing. And, you know, all the products, all the services that will come out in the future, it's hugely empowering as a disabled person to think, I'm going to be part of that. I'm not going to be left behind. You know, that I, it will be for me too. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah, I echo that. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on to the broadcast. It's been a joy speaking to you. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. 